How's it going, everybody? It is another Thursday night with your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. It's your guy, Heel Will Mahoney here. We got the giant crab, Jamal. We may have a run-in or two throughout the night. Who knows? But we got a lot to get into. We got the ongoing saga of Vince McMahon and lawyers and all kinds of drama and shenanigans. It's Forbidden Door weekend. So Forbidden Door is on the clock and Booker T, Sasha Banks. What is going on with those two? And who knows what else we'll get into tonight during the next hour. Stay with us, folks. It is your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Thursday night. We've already jumped from two to three, just like that, since we opened the show. Silly Celis sliding in with the run-in, just as we're getting started here. How's it going, Celis? It's good. It's good. I was losing track of time when I was putting food in my mouth. I was like, let me get upstairs ASAP. And that was perfect timing. While the video was playing, you came running in just like the guys did last week during uh, the commercial. So it all works out. It all evens out. We got the giant crab on the left side of the screen tonight. How is it going, Jamal? Uh, Good. Uh, Busy. And um, we're a week away from the 4th of July. So that's the big thing for me. So let's let's go let's hurry up. Let's get out of here. It is almost the end of June. It will be here before we know it. So lots going on in the wrestling world. And I think tonight the way we are going to open things is we had a lot of talk last week about Vince McMahon and his whole saga with these accusations and the investigation going on in Connecticut involving him and how that was shaping up, how that was going to pan out. And as we ended the show last Thursday, we did not know yet that the next day things were going to get very interesting with Vince McMahon appearing on SmackDown. So we got to kind of put a bow on things, update where we were last week, because the saga of Vince McMahon got very interesting because we know the old man does not like to mess around. And we know he is not shy. And I guess his thinking was, you know what? I'm getting all this publicity. So let me show up. Let me not hide in the boardroom. Let me not have lawyers do the talking. I am going to show up on SmackDown. And then what do you know? He also showed up on Raw. So we've had two appearances from Vince since uh, this all started to go down. And uh, last Friday was pretty darn interesting. Him opening SmackDown. And and I would say, as far as substance, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot to it. He just kind of came out. Waved to the crowd. People were, you know, of course, expectedly, as you would kind of think, he was embraced. He definitely was, I would say, embraced by the crowd. He definitely, you know, got a pop and all that. And he comes out and just kind of welcomes everyone to SmackDown and puts an emphasis on, uh, I just want to say that just like it says in the opening signature of the show, welcome to SmackDown, then, now, forever, and most importantly, together. And he left it at that. 
high-fived some people, got out of there, showed up on Raw, and uh, just kind of said, John Cena's going to be here next week, and I'm really excited about that. But Vince is out there, he's high-fiving people, and he's making himself seen, I think is the big thing that's going on. He's making himself seen, and we heard going in to last Friday that the, the vibe at SmackDown was that he was saying it's business as usual. And I think that's power of what he's trying to do here is he's trying to make it clear that it's business as usual. He's he's not flustered by any of this. And I think that's what he's trying to put a public face on. But who knows? There may be something more to that. I guess whichever one. Wow, Jamal wants to jump in here first or sell us. I guess initial thoughts on how Vince is handling this. And I guess I guess this is the first step since all this story broke last week. How this is developing now with Vince out and about in public, putting not putting a smile on his face. Yeah, I'll take a step up first, and I'll make it quick. Uh, this is exactly what you want to do. When we joke about controlling the narrative, but this is exactly what that looks like. You got to go out there. You got to put on a face. You got to show people uh, what you want them to see, and what Vince wants them to see is that he's in very much in control. It's not about his age. It's not about his you know quads. It's not about anything else other than the fact that whatever you have heard. The bottom line is, is that then, now and forever, WWE will survive. Together, it will survive. It will persist. It will live on. It, we will not fight. We will not go quietly into the night. Uh, today is our Independence Day or something <laughs> like that. But the but the long and short of it is, is that, yeah, uh, I know that a lot of people from a moral standpoint is kind of like, well, damn it, Vince. Why won't you learn your lesson? Why won't you uh, just come out? and mea culpa and just admit it and, and slink into the shadows. Well, why should he? I mean, like, everyone has a right to speak their piece and his piece is, well, you know what? I didn't do a damn thing wrong. And John Cena's going to be here next week. So, yeah, I think it's it's best for him to look uh, presidential almost and, and, the, and, mm-hmm. and show people that he is not only in well, very much in control, is that he's unbothered. Um, and I think that that goes a long way in the court of public opinion. That's and, and I'll jump in and, and and I agree with you 100%, Jamal. And let's even backtrack about a couple of years ago when COVID first started. And we say the same thing, Vince McMahon is gonna prevail through this COVID and I'm not gonna shut anything down and I'm gonna keep producing what I wanna do for this show. And in a way, Vince is like saying, Okay, I hear what you're saying and all this media outlets are saying about this allegations and things towards me, but this is not going to stop the show. I'll maybe say a line where I will step back from certain things, but I will still make sure my face is on saying that WWE is still going to be the best thing out there and we're going to make sure we produce the best thing out there. And he's always had that momentum, mojo, his whole career. And in, in a way, it's like nothing's going to get Vince. It's like death won't even get Vince in the way. He's like, I'm going to overcome everything when it comes to this WWE and what we need to do. So I agree with Jamal 100%. And like you said, we're controlling the narrative. This is something that you got to get ahead. You make a statement saying this is what we're going to do to get past this. And we're going to keep this show moving. And we're going to bring less and less attention to this. And then what? One week later, nobody's really talking about it anymore. It's like brushed under the rug. And and here we are. But other people are taking the shots, but not him. It, it was It was really until that Raw on Monday. Like... Uh, you know, whatever happened, happened. And people, of course, in the moment was just like, oh, that's all. That's all we get from Vince. Like, well, what did you expect him to say? Right. I mean, do you expect him to come out with his pants down? I mean, did you expect him to come out, you know, with like a gang of lawyers and say, we're going to fight this? Um, and I mean, let's also understand that to the point that I do not believe, and until I see numbers that prove otherwise, I do not believe that there's a direct correlation between the internet 
and the casual fan. I think that a lot of people watch the show out of habit because not, and maybe a sense of brand loyalty, but, but definitely out of habit. And I think that the lion's share of consumers of any product, just watch it and go. Um, I think that people may know about what, what's going on with events because it was on CNN and it crossed over into mainstream news. Uh, but for, in general, it's it's just that it's Friday night, so SmackDown's on. Because that's what you do on Friday night. It's it's Monday night, so Raw is on. Because that's what you do on Monday night. And I think for a lot of it, it, it it's a lot of it's missed because it's just that's not the relationship that they have with the business. It is just a consumer business relationship. Give me the show that I've been looking forward to all week and I'll watch it. And maybe less people have that sentiment, but then again, there are more options now. So sure, they're not doing five to seven million uh, people uh, a week like they were in the 90s. Well, the internet is a thing now. Twitch is a thing now. Literally every other form of entertainment is a thing now. In your pocket, you know, you can watch it on your phone. So the bottom line is, is that Vince has to come out shows that he's Teflon, shows that he's bulletproof, um, and he's going to do that. The only way, Vince will never die. He will just agree to not live. <laughs> I death can see will, that. Yeah, death will make him sign an NDA, and then he'll, you know, but somehow he'll, like, retain, you know, pr- property in hell or wherever, and and the bottom line is, is that he'll just agree to go. Like Frodo at the end of the movie. He's just like, well, we don't know what happened. <laughs> But, you know, and, that, and that's, that's just, just what, that's the type of guy he is. So uh, I'm not going to say it's a good or bad thing. That's really irrelevant. But the long and short of it is, is that this is what Vince has to do. And it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the playbook. Yeah. One thing I remembered, and we were breaking all that down, the other little, I guess, wrinkle in this whole uh, story on Friday was about um, Stephanie taking Vince's seat as chairman that she is now the chairman in the meantime, interim chairman, even they said, and mm-hmm. Vince is still very much there. He's still controlling creative and everything. So it's not like, yeah. you know, he's totally gone. That was, that was the first thing. People were like, Oh my God, Stephanie's back in power. And, and, and now her and Hunter, they got this thing. It's like, no, they made it very clear that he is taking a step back and on paper, you know, Stephanie is in his chair, but he is by no means gone. He's still driving the ship. He's still controlling creative. And, you know, it, I, I described it on Friday as, you know, it's it's a game of musical chairs for the uh, for the public is essentially what it is, is what it looks like to me. And, and I think that's totally what the idea was with him coming out there. He's like, look, on paper, we're going to do this so we can say my daughter's in charge. I'm still running everything. I got all this publicity today. So, damn it, I'm coming out on SmackDown because people are going to want to see what I have to say. And, hey, we got all this free publicity, so why not? And like you guys were saying, I think a big part of it, perception is reality. He comes out there unbothered. He comes out there unfazed. He ain't sweating it. And it probably goes back to just the darn nitty gritty that we talked about last week that he worked this deal out with his lawyers that at least this one lady that we know about signed. And I'm sure he's looking at, look, she signed this thing. There's I'm sure his legal team told him, look, you've done nothing wrong. We have a signed agreement here and money's changed hands. and It's all documented and you have nothing to worry about. Like it goes back to we said last week, was there actual illegality? is the problem here. And from what we're seeing, there might be a lot of things in bad taste and a lot of things immoral, but proving illegality is a completely different ball of wax here. And that's what I'm right. sure they're thinking they're covered on. So I think it is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah. And for a lot of people that just won't fly, but you're, you know, fighting a, that's a moral issue. 
right. uh, the legal issue, which there doesn't appear to be one, uh, the legal issue is what people need to go. Well, Vince needs to go. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah, sure he does. Throw him out. Oh, you can't because that's nothing's happened yet. So uh, there's just a lot of, you know, different arguments that are being made that really don't coincide with the events as we know them. And also we're hearing the story third hand anyway, after the fact. We, nobody knew that this investigation was going on. Nobody knows how far along it's going to go. Nobody knows exactly what they're looking for, and nobody knows when they'll find it. So, sure, Stephanie's in charge, but that doesn't mean that she's going to fire Kevin Dunn immediately. That doesn't mean that you know she's going to start you know, rearranging things. She absolutely could. But you know, it, it's hard to fire somebody without just cause because there are workers' rights laws and stuff like that. Everybody knows what the, they're playing chess. And if you've never played chess before, and I've never played chess before, I just know a couple of people are moving their hands and slapping the clock. I don't know exactly what the hell is going on, and then somebody wins and somebody loses. So we just gotta wait and see how it plays out. Yep, that's the deal, and we'll we'll see. There's a there's a lot of lawyers looking into this. The investigation's ongoing, and time will tell. I think that's all it is right now. Is time will tell. So. Yep. Moving on, we got yes. the Vince McMahon out of the way. As we were saying to, to start things tonight, it is AEW's weekend. There is a forbidden door that is going to be opened in Chicago this weekend. And it has been, I would say, a bumpy road to get here over the last month. But it's finally here. Forbidden door weekend goes down this weekend. And we finally, as of last night, have a card that even up to uh, the last hour seems to be in flux and changing as we'll get into as we're going along here. But Forbindor Weekend is here. New Japan, AEW, the big crossover that folks have been waiting for for quite some time now. And I've seen, God, just a lot of different takes on things over the last week and over, I guess, the last 24 hours are just different opinions on it and what the show's shaped up to be and there's a lot to get into here, but I guess, I don't know, Jamal, what, what, where would you want to start on this? Since so you're um, kind of our head AEW guy here. So I guess the first question is, um, you know, you're, I don't have a relationship with New Japan. Um, and I don't know uh, if you guys do either. Uh, whether you do or you don't, how does, does this pay-per-view, knowing what the full card is, is it worth your 50 bucks? Now, I mean, I can, I can answer that first and go, no. Nah. And it has nothing to do with the injuries. It has more to do with the fact that AEW really didn't do a good enough job over the past month since the last pay-per-view introducing these people that I've only heard in, you know, Discord conversations and Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, conversations. I know of a lot of names. They don't mean a goddamn thing to me. And that's kind of the problem. And the argument to that could be, well, you didn't do your homework. I shouldn't have to because I'm not in school anymore. You're selling this to me. I shouldn't have to go to you to figure out what I want to watch. So sell me on it. So Jim Ross yelling that there's that guy with the hair or that's those another guy with the cloak. Oh, yeah, there's that other guy with the other cloak. And then there's some guy carrying around a damn stuffed cat. Cool. Cool. That's all that's well and good. What should that mean to me? And unfortunately, uh, you know, in the last month since the last paper, you or nothing. I really didn't get the sense that I should give a shit about anything that's happening. More importantly, stories in AEW that I actually do care about kind of got pushed to the back burner because there's big pay-per-views coming up. So I've been so we've seen a lot less Jade, a lot less Rosa, well for good reason, but a lot less of other stories that I'm actually interested in that have nothing to do with the pay-per-view. 
So the balance really hasn't been that great either. If you want to make it the Pro Bowl and just cut the season and say, we're not going to do anything related to the, to anything else, this is the month that we're going to care about New Japan, cool. But then end those stories and pick it up a month later and give everybody time off. That could actually be your off season. If you want to just go like, hey, we're only going to get a couple guys, everybody else gets the month off, and we're just going to do a New Japan thing, I'll see you in July, July 1st. All right, cool. All-Star Month or something. All-Star Month. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Uh, rugby, and I've said it before, uh, in Australia, does a thing called State of Origin, where it's Queensland versus New South Wales. They kind of schedule the season where everybody gets a bye week, the week of the, of the three-game series for State of Origin. And if you're not participating, you get two weeks off. If you are participating, you play on Wednesday, and hopefully you have a bye week on Sunday. And if you don't, then maybe you don't play that game. But the bottom line is they make it work. I think that this could be the same thing where it's just like, hey, we've been going 11 months, but the next four Dynamites are going to be heavy New Japan. The people that you want to see, we'll see them next month or in elevation. But something's got to be better than we're just going to sprinkle in. We're just going to throw New Japan at the wall. And then there's some other AEW stuff at the wall. And then there's, you know, Dark doesn't really matter anymore. And then now there's a pay-per-view this week. And granted, then the injuries happen. And you're like, well, who the hell is, who is this guy? Um, so it, it's just a bit a big it's been a bit messy and some of it is really frantic planning and other other side of it are injuries which are unfortunate and unforeseen so for me um like Jamal said names are not a problem if if you know wrestling or follow some type of indie wrestling names are not a problem um the problem is I'm just not. I'm just, it's nothing that's making me excited about what should have been or what this was building up to be originally. And not I'm gonna take you back, right? Not for 50 bucks either. Let me take you back to like a, a movie reference, right? We all grew up in, in the 90s era and Mortal Kombat was huge, right? We played the video game and the first time you heard Mortal Kombat was coming out of the movie, you were like, oh wow, we could see blood, we could see guts, we could see all this <laughs> stuff and fatalities and stuff. And then it comes out to be a very watered down PG-13. Now, granted, the first original one wasn't the, the, the best or the worst, but it did not meet the expectation that you would have thought from a video game fan transitioning to a movie. Mm-hmm. And some Good people point. could say the same thing about Resident Evil, even though Resident Evil has like 10 movies, probably. It still didn't match up the adaptation that you wanted to from a video game that you love to a, a movie. And that's how I feel about The Forbidden Door. When you think about The Forbidden Door, it's like, man... These are matches that when we grew up in the 90s of what wrestling was or even the 2000s prior to the Internet age, it's like you would never think you would see like a WCW and a WWF clash at an event like this where you think these matches would never, ever happen. And when you get to this point about what New Japan and AEW is like, OK, we're here, but this is not what we thought it would be. And honestly, the only thing that I am interested in is the pre-show match because I have a personal relationship with Kevin Knight or Jet Knight, who is a young lion, to see what he'll do on the pre-show to see if that will elevate him for his career. Other than that, I can probably watch a YouTube review show about what the pay-per-view is about, and I'll be happy. Oh, that happened? Oh, that happened? And I think you're not going to see anything that you haven't already seen before. Because they like touch in so many different type of ways. It's like it's nothing exciting about this that I'm looking forward to. So once again, leaning on Jamal, just putting a different perspective on it. It's like I wish it was more, but it didn't live up to the hype. That's the key word I've been hearing 
the vibe I've been getting for the past week from like even like, you know, a lot of like people that are big time AEW viewers and really follow Dynamite. The key word I kept hearing was underwhelming. I keep hearing underwhelming and just not so much disappointing, but just there's no there's no momentum to it. And I think a lot of that, yes, you can chalk up to the injuries and maybe a lot of it's also unrealistic expectations because Lord knows when this show was announced, people were immediately being like, oh, they can do CM Punk versus, you know, Okada. They can do, you know, champion versus champion. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. But even if he was healthy, I mean, I guess the the match was going to be him and Tanahashi. Since they announced it before, you know, he got hurt. That's the direction they were headed. But even I think part of the problem was going to be that politically, a lot of these big matchups I think people were thinking about were just never in the cards because it was going to turn into, well, okay, if we do champion versus champion, someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. And how are we going to come to a consensus on that when it's a heck of a lot easier to be like, okay, we could do some three ways and four ways and then purposely have someone in there that can eat the loss. And then the people that are our bread and butter aren't, you know, getting beat on here. I think a lot of it becomes that because that's the big thing I'm seeing with the show. There's a lot of multi-man matches, a bunch of six mans, a bunch of multiple tag matches. There's only a couple singles matches. And of course we ended up with this interim AEW title with John Moxley and Tanahashi. We got that going to go down. We got a four way now for the IWGP title. So that's a whole nother. There's a lot of also, I guess I get the feeling of trying to fit people into the show. So we got to have multiple person matches. We got to have tag matches just to get people on here. And it just feels like a mishmash of here's people. We're going to, you're going to have new Japan people. You're going to have AEW people together. The matches themselves though, in a lot of cases, I think may, may end up being more of an exhibition than anything else where it's like, okay, yeah, they're going to be against each other, but once this show's over, outside of stuff like the IWGP tag title match, like if FTR win those belts or if Tanahashi wins the AEW title, you know, what is it really going to be much of any lasting ramifications to this come Monday morning? Well, that's kind of the question for me. And this is one of the reasons why I really haven't bought into it is because is this a period that will open and shut? On Sunday night into Monday morning this this weekend, will the forbidden door close and we just go back to business as usual? They go do their thing. Uh, we and AEW goes to, to do blood and guts the next weekend, and it seems right. that that whatever this magical weekend is going to be will be quickly forget forgotten about come the next Wednesday three days later because they're off to Detroit with blood and guts and that big thing. So the question is, and I and I pose this to you guys is. Do you think that it was that booking these storyline based matches was the move, uh, in regardless of injuries, or do you think that it should have just been booked like um Survivor Series and and just have brand supremacy, maybe an actual trophy that's involved? It's the forbidden door, you know, type of a thing. I, I again, I was called back to state of origin in, in rugby where it's a three match series. Maybe they do a three uh, three pay per view event series where it's the Forbidden Door Grand Prix or something like that, where they get a trophy mm-hmm. at the end of the year, um, and then that's how that goes. Uh, obviously, this is the first one. We don't know what the plans are going forward, but do you think that it should have been just like, hey, we got twenty guys, and we're going to you send your twenty, and I'll send our twenty. We're going to book some damn matches. Yeah. It just got me thinking, and and Tony Khan would know this one for sure, being, you know, he knows all his wrestling history. Starcade 95 did WCW versus New Japan in what they called the World Cup 
of professional wrestling at the All time. Right. And they did a best of seven match thing that night. That was the whole show. They had seven matches and whoever won the best of seven between them got the supposed cup. It was a one-time thing, but it made it into like a condensed, you know, this whole thing yeah. begins, it ends tonight, and it's for this cup. And then that was that was that. That's how they handled WCW versus New Japan. But to add on to that, part of I think this whole build what's been weird is just the way they've just thrown these guys out there in so many instances of like, oh this match ends in oh Here's Jeff Cobb suddenly on the apron attacking somebody. And it's like there's right. been so much just throwing the guys from New Japan out there and not introducing them with some videos. Yeah, I need something. vignettes. I need the yeah. road two to be 30 something minutes. Um, I would expect the same thing on the Japanese side to introduce those guys. You know, there's not just the distance physically between Japan and the U.S., but there's also the language barrier, uh, the culture. And we don't know what the pay-per-view is going to be. Are they going to use New Japan rules? I think New Japan has a 20 count, for example. Yes. Um, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, are we are we going to are they going to do that? Um, are there some other differences between the two companies where we're going to have to sort out what the rules are going to be? Um, you know, I know that a couple of titles are going to be up for the grabs. Whose use or whose rules are we going to use for those matches? Um, you know, that's like, I don't know if New Japan has like a closed fist or something like that. And those things do make a difference because if you're calling that match, it it's kind of like the Ring of Honor Pure Rules. You know, this is what it is. This is not what you're used to. We're doing something else per this special event. Uh, and I also think that uh, Survivor, not, so yeah, Survivor Series, uh, maybe 2017 or something like that, where it was WCWE, I mean, it was SmackDown versus Raw versus NXT. Right. And yeah. every match was for a point. Every match was for points, and even yeah. though you know Raw just won handily because that had to make sense, uh, the bottom line is is that it was for something. It kind of meant something, and NXT, you know, for the first time in forever, had you know a seat at the table. They didn't last too long, but they had a seat at the table. And uh, whether it's an actual cup or not, I, I really think that it would have made a little bit more sense to say, well. The powers that be in New Japan, because, again, in the U.S., we have a commissioner, we have a head booker, we have all these things. I don't know if that delineation is the same in Japan. I don't know if there's like some kind of tribunal or council that levies down what the storylines are going to be in kayfabe or not. Um, You know, maybe some giant turtle or something like that that they consult. I don't know. Um, They got to go to the top of the mountain and consult the giant rabbit. And the rabbit tells them what the book is. So... Whatever has to happen in New Japan, uh, yeah, I would expect more of that thing to happen, too. And that brings us to uh, the scrum that's going to be after the show. Uh, before that, before that, I'm going to get this real quick. Yes. Um, will we see New Japan officials in the media uh, scrums for AEW? You know, like, what will that look like? Uh, having uh, the, the, the head guys over, over there sitting next to Tony Khan. Um, you know, that's these are the questions that nobody's really asked or answered. Go ahead, Marcellus. Yeah, I just want to add one thing, a, a, a quick spin on it. This will probably make it interesting, just another avenue. And I know it'll be hard because how wrestling is scripted in a way. But how would you do or how could you make it where if you have these matches, like I'm going to take the Survivor Series concept. And let's say if an AEW talent loses to New Japan, that AEW talent has to become a New Japan talent. So that way you're losing Their stakes, people. at least. They're losing Makes things people. interesting. Right. And that way it's like, okay, if Chris Jericho loses, 
he has now wrestled New Japan, New Japan. So I got to look at whatever New Japan is to follow Chris Jericho, or maybe a New Japan talent has to come across to but, to AEW now. But maybe it's some type of stipulation they could do, like make a, a competitive thing on that. Now, to be fair though, that's the point of winning the belt. I mean, if a New Japan talent wins the transatlantic title and takes it back to Japan with them, even though that literally doesn't make sense because it's the transatlantic title. <laughs> um, but if that happens, then cool. Maybe they can you know, go out there and um, and have that happen. I think that that should happen. Um, the fact that but then again, that's also a bit problematic, too, because FTR is a triple A champion. Uh, Sammy Guevara is a triple A champion with uh, his uh, fiance, uh, Conti. It's. They don't really do that, you know, and 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 have uh, those other things. Uh, what was the guy? The same after the bird. The, I don't know the name. Did the bird do? Uh, but bird yes. dude um, is um, is a champion in England, and I saw the Rev, Rev Pro belt, you know, on Dynamite. Oh, Osprey, you're talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bird. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I, don't I know got names. <laughs> but um, but the bottom line is, is that like, oh shit, it's the Rev Pro belt in America on the Birdman. That's kind of cool. I, I hope that they take the transatlantic title. Fuck it, take the world title to Japan. And I'm and yes, I am biased because I don't want Moxley to win ever. But the bottom line is, yes, take the world title over to um, over to Japan. Let them see it. Let Americans let Americans go over there to the, to vie for it to bring it back. It it gives the it gives the show gravitas now. The Japanese came into our company and rent well rode off with the belt. Mm-hmm. What do for Moxley now? Did he let the company down? Who's going to go over there and get it? When's their next show? Now I'm interested. But it doesn't like, but for those storyline things that happen, it just seems to be, well, these matches are very predictable. Um, nobody really wants the other side to upstage each other. Um, and the fans have kind of dissected the pay-per-view to hell and, it's kind of whatever. So it's kind of a blah. You know, I'll be watching baseball um, and waiting for two chains to give me the go ahead to, to listen in for the scrum. But uh, unfortunately, everything just kind of falls flat for one reason or another. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the sentiment we're getting. I don't know if anything's going to really change. I mean, all the shows are in the can now. We know Rampage has already been taped. So I guess that's where they're at going into this. I mean, it's kind of like they. It feels a lot like they kind of tripped over their own feet getting here over the last couple of weeks. I'm sure that in their mind, they're like, well, you know, there was all these injuries and all this. But it's like there, there's more that could have been done to, like, introduce these folks, to get people to invest in the New Japan guys. To There can't be this expectation, I think, that. Well, people will figure it out. And our fan base knows who all these guys are. And so, yeah, well, that's if the people know who they already are. That's the people. Those are already your hardcore fans. You're preaching to the choir there. You're not adding anything with that. So if you want to make you know more people interested in this, you gotta get to explain who these people are. Who's Jeff Cobb? Who's Jay White? Who 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 are these people? Other than having these people come out and having you know Excalibur run down very quickly all these stats, you know, in a word salad all of a sudden, where he's like, oh, they've held all these belts. It's like that was like the extent of introducing people. In so many ways, it was like Excalibur's job to run down the quick little bio of when anyone would show up and just I think if they do this idea again, they got to that's something that they really got to work on and be like, look, if it means you got to run one less match because you got to do a bunch of video packages throughout the show to introduce these people in some way to where 
people who don't know them can find out who they are, then that's what you got to do. The, the excuse that, well, you people can look it up and they can figure it out. And it's like, no, you said it. I'll never do that. It, it ain't on us to do that homework. Yeah. You're selling me it's something. I'll never look it up. Yeah, exactly. You, you It is your job as the promoter to sell us on the product. I know who all these people are. I've seen them before. But you can't put have that expectation. That that expectation, I think, is not realistic in, in 2022. I think it is what it is. So uh, any other thoughts on this before we go to our commercial break? Uh, real quick, I just want to say that as far as like doing the homework thing is there, another reason why I won't do that is because there's other stuff to watch. Uh, I am more excited about um, you know, Summer Princess uh, 22, which is the Tokyo Joshi Pros um, show out there in um, in Japan on July 9th. So, and there's just so much other stuff happening uh, here, there, everywhere that if I miss this show, it, it's not the biggest deal. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, you could not miss Stargate because it was the show that you had to be at because the ability to go and watch something else was tougher without the internet mm-hmm. so now it's just like all right i missed it i'll move on to the next one yeah people have options if you want you want people to spend their time you gotta you gotta make the effort that's where right. i think it comes down to for me so right. all right folks commercial break coming up on your big gold belt podcast and then after that we'll be back with the indie spotlight and some talk about booker t and the boss sasha banks stay with us folks we will be back right after this Our next partner has a product I use almost daily. AG1 from Athletic Greens is as close to a magic vitamin supplement as you can get and helps somebody like me who's constantly on the go. Maintain my optimal fitness and health levels as much as possible. So what's in this stuff you're going to wonder? 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right and help with all the digestive help you need. AG1 goes where I go. It goes to work with me, to the gym, or even when I'm covering events. Keeps me going when I need a boost because let me tell you, at the rate I go, I don't slow down for anybody, and this is the most helpful thing I can think of to help me get over that hump. Has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And for me, most importantly, supports better sleep and quality recovery because everybody who knows me knows I don't sleep a lot of hours because I'm always working, but it helps in the long run. Trust me on that one. Now for you all wondering, I know what you're thinking. How much does it cost? It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than fueling your cold brew habit or going to Starbucks to get the Mocha Wata Evachino. Now's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. Take it from me. It's a lot easier. And to make it easier on you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance trust me you'll thank me later 
Welcome back, folks. Thursday night, it's your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. And after halftime, you know it's always time for Jamal to bring in the Indie Wrestling Spotlight for this week. Yep. So this week, uh, obviously, we talked about the Forbidden Door, and it's a big week out there in Chicago. So before you walk through the Forbidden Door at the United Center, are literally two blocks away. It is right around the corner. I believe they share the same parking lot. It's Warrior Wrestling at Malcolm X College. That's 1900 West Jackson Boulevard on Chicago. Uh, if you want tickets, it's warriorwrestling.ticketleap.com slash warriorwrestling24. Now, I don't, I have not heard the tickets have sold out yet. Uh, I would assume that you uh, don't want to wait on these if you're interested. And if you don't know, uh, you, you jump on it quickly. Uh, Warrior, W-R-S-T-L-N-G. So it's Warrior Wrestling without the vowels and the, and the wrestling if you want to see them out on Twitter. But um, there's a meet and greet VIP package beforehand. That's at 12 to 1.30. Uh, you get to meet Chris Hero. You get to meet Kevin Kelly, who will be at Forbidden Door doing commentary. Uh, would love to know which match or match he's going to be there for if he's calling a whole show. Um, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to Kevin Knight versus the DKC. I've heard good things about Kevin Knight. Uh, Deanna Parrazzo versus Ashley Fox. Uh, you know, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, Mission Pro Women's Champion Holly Dead versus Janai Kai. Janai Kai is always fun. Uh, the Rascals versus Nick Wayne, Blake Christian, All Heart, and um, Fuego Del Sol in a hell of a six-man tag, among others. So, looks like a really good show, and it's supposed to end at about five o'clock which gives you an opportunity and time to um mosey right on into the united center two blocks away from warrior wrestling uh part 24 june 26th that's this sunday uh the fan fest starts at 12 o'clock the show starts at two doors open at 1 30 go ahead and get your tickets now uh warriorwrestling.net on or on twitter machine at uh warrior w-r-s-t-o-n-g and that's the indie spotlight for this week there we go. Fun times in Chicago this weekend. There'll be a lot of a lot of action to be had in the Windy City. That's for sure. So from here, I guess it started at the beginning of this week. All this Booker T is we, we talk about Booker T a lot on here. It <laughs> seems <laughs> he always says something that will get our attention in one way or another. And this week was no exception. So let me pull up what Booker T had to say here because he he's had some he has some thoughts on the ongoing Sasha Banks I guess uh story because it's still you know ongoing Lord knows I, it, we have we have somehow not had today had a uh <laughs> the latest in a oh Sasha Banks is released she got out <laughs> it's like every other day it seems to be that, that that story breaks but then it never goes anywhere <laughs> so in, in discussing all that, Booker T had some comments about what is going on with Sasha Banks. And I guess, you know, in theory, if she ends up leaving WWE, which is the rumor that she's trying to get a release and her legal team is working on that. But Booker T had to say, quote, she's going to be OK. As far as Tony Khan making that phone call quick, I know people are going to take this the wrong way. But I really don't know if AEW is the place for Sasha Banks. After Sasha goes and works Britt Baker, where does she go from there? Booker questioned. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not throwing any shade on Thunder Rosa, you know, Nyla Rose or any of those other girls. <laughs> End quote. Booker obviously was uh, 
he knows what he's doing. He's he's, he's yeah. looking to get attention as as he always is. But you know, I obviously got people talking that oh, he doesn't think Sasha Banks should go to AEW if she leaves, and why well, he's just you know sticking up for WWE and standing up for WWE and all this. And yeah, people didn't like that. People didn't like that. But in the end, though, does Booker T have a point there? Is is there some uh, validity to what he's saying as far as a? Uh, you know, and of course, this is just a huge hypothetical here because, as far as we know, as far as we know right now, she is still under contract in WWE. No one has uh, been released in any way, shape, and form. So uh, let's go let's get the giant crab in here first. Th- thoughts on on Booker T's comments here? So, so whether she's released uh, or whether her contract expires, let's assume that both happen tomorrow. Okay. If she uh, gets the call and she shows up uh, at the Forbidden Door or at, at Blood and Guts. I'm not convinced that Banks should immediately run to AEW. And the reason why isn't necessarily because what happens after her first feud into her second. The real question is about just the time. Who is she going to bump down the ladder that could really use the push after when she gets there? And I don't care who who that first feud is because we're seeing, you know, Jade has a belt. Britt's still Britt. Because she's Tony Khan's favorite, so she's going to always be there. And Rosa has a belt. Now, that's three. And whoever the other intangibles that they're stringing along with them, um, Shafir has been inserted a lot, you know, for reasons. Uh, again, Tony's Britt wrestling this like, weekend. Yeah, Britt will always be there. Hater and Storm, uh, you know, haters attached to Britt. Tony Storm seems to be inserted a, a lot. Um, so, so that's really the question for me is that who gets pushed down the ladder, down the pecking order to make room for banks? Uh, that, that's, the question, that's the first question. Second question is, I don't see her being the needle mover that everyone else does. This has nothing to do with work ethic. This has nothing to do with the fact that she's you know been damn good in WWE. Uh, yeah, I know that she worked the Indies before she made it to WWE and she's been there 10 something years, whatever. That's cool. That's all well and good. Is she a bigger name than CM Punk? I don't know. Is she a bigger name than Brian? I don't know. But none of that really matters because those guys get the time to still be them. Mm-hmm. They still get, Brian gets the time to cut a 20 minute promo and have a literal 60 minute match. Those guys, CM Punk gets the time to come out and not do anything, gets inserted on commentary, just trots him out there to play his interest music. I don't see any of the women at any point in time getting any of those things happening. So if you don't do that, it doesn't matter who you bring in. You can bring in the the inventor of women's wrestler, Stephanie McMahon. If you don't give her the time to to gestate whatever the you know, maturation of the women's division is going to be, you can't just keep in certain pieces and hoping that it just sticks. You have to give them time to grow. Uh, I don't see Khan doing that because there's so many other moving parts. And now he's just developed New Japan. And now Ring of Honor is going to have to happen at some point in time. And now, you know, and, and Jericho is always going to get his time. And Brian and, and Paige and Moxley, unfortunately, is always going to get his time. Where does that leave the women? I don't hear talk about Rampage extending two hours. And I don't hear talk about Elevation becoming the C-level show with actual storylines and ramifications to Dynamite. Where's the time going to go to the women? I'll leave that to you guys. 
And and you're right. The time is not going to be going to the woman, but I'm I'm gonna back up a little bit. I know the question was, what do we think about Booker T's comments? But I'm I'm gonna flip it a little bit. Booker T is going to say what he wants to say, so he can get some listen views and things of that nature. Oh, that's what Booker T is. But but it's a hidden message that I'm taking from it that I'm actually reflecting. That I even thought about it as you were talking, Jamal. Where it doesn't matter if you're a male or female. You have to, as a performer, not expect that somebody is going to put you at the top. You have to make sure you find a way to keep yourself relevant. And I'm going to give an example. Once again, I'm not trying to show favoritism with this guy. But the Ken Miz. Kennedy. No, the Miz. I'm going to give the Miz. Okay, okay, Miz. Okay, okay, number, two. number two. The Miz definitely had his moment where he was pushed to the top. Got money in the bank, world champion, had his WrestleMania moment. But then he got pushed back to the mid card. Now, at the same time when he got pushed back to the mid-card, Miz still made himself relevant by changing things within his character that he controlled his own narrative. The one thing I don't see Sasha doing, I don't see Sasha changing her narrative, but I see Sasha complaining about where she should be based on her talent. And I like Sasha, but Sasha has to do... The the thing that Sasha is going to be complaining about in WWE is going to even be worse because all AEW is doing is just adding names, adding names, adding names, adding names, and yeah, there's no time, and, and there's no time and space for it. Because when you still have Britt Baker, who's probably still the top woman, and she's only on one aspect of the show, if she's on that weekend, like you said, Rampage is not being extended or anything of that nature, then she's going to get frustrated again, just like she was in WWE. At least on WWE, she got there every single week. It may not have been what she wanted to do. But she was on there every single week. But you have to change your narrative for what you got and then use that to propel what's going on. I even heard um, Tyrus in an interview talk about, and once again, this is you'll see how it's related, when he was going through that, that Funkodactyl stage and that little gimmick that he had and how he hated it. And he talked about how Dusty Rose kind of helped him build out of it. But still, Tyrus had to know in himself where this may be the worst gimmick in life, but I have to make something out of it to make myself relevant. And I think Sasha has to do that. And she's struggling with it because she feels like she's deserved or earned her stripes or something. And they're not going to give it to her. And it definitely won't give it to AEW either based on the time limit that she won't, won't have and the stack roster that they keep adding to men or women. I you made a really good. Yeah. Let me ask this real quick. Real quick. So you have, a, you have the NBA draft just tonight. It's actually happening right now. Yep. yep. Um, and, that, and, that's, and that's fine. That's all well and good. You got this hot young rookie who comes in, you know, top four, uh, four-star prospect out of wherever, big-name school, big-money school, wherever in the world. All right, cool. And you're, you know, a veteran, and you've been doing it, you know, eight, nine years, came close to a ring, you know, got your points, you know, you made your money, and, that, and that's all well and good. I think that there's a certain point where you can say that I have a resume, and my resume does precede me and it should afford me certain things because, as two James has said before, uh, there's a difference between putting the position and then putting the position and excelling it. Everybody can't be given the ball. Not everybody knows how to run with it. And I do Correct. agree to a point with that. I do also believe that you're given the ball because they believe in you that you can run with it. And I think that Banks is at that position where not only has she been proven to be given the ball, she's ran with it and scored and, and, yes. and made a minute off of it. So yes. if Banks isn't inserted into that upper echelon position, then where in the blue hell does she go? Like, why does she go there? Because I think that her reputation does precede her. I mean, when I said, who is she? Is she bigger than CM Punk? That's the level that we should be talking about when it talks to her. 
And I do, I do agree with you that maybe she may have an, an attitude or a chip on her shoulder or something. I do think also that she uh, involves it, that, that she uh, deserves to, to be in that conversation as well. Also, also, I think that the more important thing is it doesn't matter if you're not given the time. I mean, I think that's like no matter what she deserves or what she thinks that she deserves, it, it really does come to the time. Where is Tony Khan? Not how, because we, we he could do it. If he wants to make it work, he'll make it work. But where is he going? Where is he going to get the time to actually give the parity for these promos that need to happen? So uh, for that reason, I don't think Booker T is as wrong as people think he is, that he should move on. Because his point was, well, after that first feud, then what? Um, and it also is to the point that, like, okay, cool. I mean, that is a valid point, but it is kind of like, well, even that first feud, who are they going to bump for that first feud? Are they going to take away from Jade? Are they going to take away from the women's champion? And that's kind of where AEW is with the women's divisions. We're running out of excuses. We, I've long run out of excuses for why there isn't more equity and parity in the women's uh, division. I don't have an, I don't know why. But I also don't think that Sasha Banks is going to immediately flip the switch and demand three segments for women. I, I just don't see that happen. Yeah. Well, well, and I think, I th- and to see, uh, you nailed a lot of good points there. And Booker T today clarified his comments, and it kind of plays into what you're saying with his clarification here. He said, quote, I'm thinking with Sasha, it's not going to be all about the match, it's about the star power. It's a lot of women there that can still go in the ring and wrestle and have great matches, you know what I mean? But I'm talking about star power, end quote. And I think that gets to what you're saying, where it's not just about her getting to have time to wrestle. It's about how she's featured. It's about her being featured in a specific way, like main eventing WrestleMania. You know, getting those marquee positions. Because, heck, she was... Part of the whole story that we've been told, supposedly, about why they're unhappy and why her and Naomi aren't around is that they just weren't happy with how they were going to be featured as the women's tag team champions and possibly having singles matches against Bianca and Ronda and not going over. So clearly it's not about being used. It's so much about how they're being used and in what context they're being used. And if that's an issue in WWE right now, in the long run, that's absolutely going to be an issue in AEW. Now, we also got two chains going to make a run in every darn week, I swear. One way or another, he is running in in the comments section this week, and he has to say here a couple different things. But yeah, why why is Naomi not in any of these comments? I would say Naomi, Naomi probably has been brought because, hey, it's two different contracts. You know, these are two totally, it's not like they're a package deal. Sasha can easily leave and Naomi could stay. And Naomi could possibly leave and Sasha could stay there. I would think that whole part there. But I also think this is more interesting because we were talking about Vince earlier. Uh, Does this Vince situation and people being shifted around personnel wise maybe make things better or more ideal for Sasha to stay? That was something I thought about last week. Soon as all this stuff happened with Stephanie was right away. I was like, if there's talk of her getting released, if I'm Stephanie, first thing I want to say is like, Hold off on that. I want to have a conversation first. Can we get her in here so I can talk to her before this goes any further? I know if I'm Stephanie, I would want to make that move. If these talks have really gotten that serious, who knows if they'd go anywhere, but I'd at least want to have the conversation. No, I mean, the real question is, does Stephanie actually have the power or is she just running the proper government? I mean, that that is like something right. that That's should true. be considered as well. 
Um, we know, well, not know, but we definitely have reason to believe why Stephanie over everyone else is in the seat she's in. Uh, and that's just what you do. It's, it's classic uh, damage control for a big company like this. So um, there are a couple of things with that. Uh, as far as why aren't isn't Naomi in, in these conversations, because she's Naomi. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nobody's going to say that she shouldn't work. Nobody's going to say that she shouldn't absolutely do whatever the hell she wants. If Naomi said, I'm done with wrestling, I'm going to go back to being an NBA dancer. Goddamn right. And she will excel. However, I think that Naomi, there is a little bit more of a we can just insert her wherever we need to. And she will just take that ball and run with it. As far as being a big name talent, big, super huge, major Disney money level talent. That's Sasha Banks. Like just full stop. That doesn't that doesn't mean that Naomi can't get there. That doesn't mean that Naomi isn't a talent. But we're talking Disney money. We're talking CM Punk. We're talking bringing eight hundred thousand more eyes to the brand. Uh, you know right. that is it. And that's that, that's um, my that's my thought too. When we were we were bringing it down earlier about CM Punk and you know the other top guys in AEW, I think the one difference with Sasha would be is that she would bring a very different fan base with her. I think she brings a unique fan base that have, we've made the jokes before about that. The Sasha crew is kind of on the levels of a uh, near and Beyonce, Beyonce's a uh, Bayhive, where it's like, you do not cross Sasha Banks online. I, 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 for you. Let me ask this real yeah. quick though. What, what would we say is her fan base? Like what, like for example, Back in the day, we used to say Cena's fan base was kids. That's what got his yeah. money was the kids. What is Sasha's fan base? Is it women? Is it there's, men between 20 to 30? There's definitely kids and there's definitely women. The sure. question is, and the, the kind of piggyback off this, it kind of makes me think of Howard Stern. Howard Stern, uh, self-proclaimed king of all media. He was on free, uh, free radio for a long time and then satellite radio popped up. He moved to satellite. And as big as he thought he was, <clears throat> maybe a third of his audience went with him. And we were talking about, <clears throat> now granted, he got a dump truck full of money to go to satellite radio and he took it and ran and, and prospered. Good for him. But as far as the audience goes, people weren't paying $9 a month to listen to him. Right. Is Sasha Banks bank tellers or whatever the hell they are? I don't know. <clears throat> but <laughs> are they as loyal as we think they are. Are they going to leave WWE? I mean, is Sasha Banks being a WWE a perk? Uh, is it is it the a la mode part of, of the dessert? Or are they there for her and will follow her wherever it is? I know a lot of Miami Heat fan because of LeBron. I know a lot of Phoenix Mercury, uh, not Mercury, but Phoenix Suns fans for no damn reason. They Marcellus. Um, but, and that's, you know, a thing. Like, are we talking about the brand or are we talking about the person? And if she shows up in AEW next week, it would be interesting to see how many more people she brings with her. And I'm not convinced uh, because the WWE is an ecosystem. It's damn near cult-like. And I'm not convinced that Banks is bigger than the machine. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And, I just and, of course, and of course, something to keep in mind is say she does make the jump. First thing that happens is it's not Sasha Banks showing up; it's Mercedes KV showing up, does, which is another does, brand that you have to uh, right. So it's there's there's no way to know for sure until it would actually happen. And really, of course, as always, the big thing would be debuts are always huge. After yeah. a month, though, do they stick around? 
and there's and, there's only one way we'd ever find out. But it's it's an interesting question. It's an interesting and, and question how she would do outside that ecosystem. That's kind of where we are with CM Punk. I, and not that not that we assume that Punk would be a worse worker or we need to get back into the fold and whatever. And granted, he had seven, eight years off or whatever it was. But maybe the more apt approach is Daniel Bryan. Uh, we saw Brian like 18 months earlier or whatever it was. He was he was yeah. there, and then now he's in AEW. But he's you know we know that he's you know injury and injured, and he's know he's a lot older, and he know that he he's already said that he only has X number of years left. And then he comes out there and he goes sit 30 minutes with Kenny Omega for no reason. So, uh, what what will Banks get that time to do that? I don't I, I, whoever you thought Brian was, he still had to prove himself. And he went out there with Kenny and did 30 for no reason. He went out there with Adam Page and he dragged his ass across the ring for 60 minutes. Will Banks get that time to not necessarily to establish herself to the AEW audience that might not know her? And then, of course, there's the new brand that people are going to have to acclimate themselves to because the bank uh, bank is closed uh, once they leave uh, WWE and whatever this new uh, metamorphosis will be, will just have to be that. So I, I want to see it happen because I think that she does bring, she's good enough to be in that talent pool that AEW has because AEW does have talent. They just don't get the time. And honestly, yeah. we also don't know too. Maybe she's the person that forces the con to play his hand and go and say, nah, they get two segments because people need to see her and I can't abandon the rest of them. So we're going to have to yeah. cut a match. We, we're not going to have a 15-man tag anymore. I'm sorry. We're just going to – we've got to go with Banks because Khan loves playing the hot hand. Uh, and then, of course, that does afford her the ability to go elsewhere. She can go to Mexico. She can go to uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. She can show up in uh, OWE or Gleet or wherever the hell. She can be wind up in fucking Senegal somewhere. We don't know. Uh, but working that schedule with AEW – uh, stardom, I guess. Eh, I'm not a fan of stardom, <laughs> but but stardom, fucking ice ribbon. Sit on an ice ribbon. Um, but the bottom line is that she, the world would be her oyster at that point, and AEW would be a small pl- palette of it. So I, I hope it happens. I think that would be the the, the whole key thing. Just seeing how this WWE deal is shook out. If she went, it would probably take Tony having to make that kind of commitment. Where it's like, look, I'm not just signing you. I'm making, I'm guaranteeing you time. I'm guaranteeing you a marquee position. Something. It, I think it would have to take that women's division being taken to the next level to get her. Because Lord knows she don't have to go there. That's a people are like, oh, she's gonna go to AEW. I'm like, it's just as likely she's gonna hang out around Hollywood and try to expand on all this stuff she's got going on with Disney. So, I, she's if anyone has options, it's her. Right. So. Uh, I don't know. That that that's my that's my thoughts on it. So, all right, we want to talk about this Triple H deal since that was also a little bit of news here that happened. I guess yesterday with yeah. the talk, the Triple H showed up at the PC, had a meeting with all the NXT folks, and said he's uh in quotes back. He's back at NXT and better than ever. We don't know. <laughs> Probably came out to Eric Bischoff's theme song I hope when he so. did. Who knows? People better be ready to play the game again. Of course, that got speculation running rampant. What's going on? Triple H is back. Stephanie must have sent him down there. The black and gold is on the way. And I would tell people to pump their brakes on that and not quite get that excited yet because I don't see the Nickelodeon 2.0 going anywhere. But gentlemen, thoughts on a Triple H 
back at NXT. I'll um, make this very quick. And uh, no, wait, 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 wait. I'll make this very quick. Um, when it comes to heart injuries or thing of that nature where they talk about he had, I don't play around with those. I think Triple H should never wrestle again. Now, being a coach, being there with the talent in NXT in in uh, in Orlando, cool. In the in the center, cool. But don't don't step in the ring again. You you put your boots down. You did your segment and things of that nature. I know it's in your blood where you never want to give it up, but I don't want to see you wrestle again. Um, I, I think that, yeah, Zach, with those points, um, I really don't care if he uh, wrestles again. I don't think he's going to give me a good match. So if he's not, then don't do it. As far as him being back um, in NXT, uh, I think that he definitely had a vision that, that separated NXT from a lot. Um, and I also think that would I like to see that vision come back? No. That that's dead. Uh, you know, NXT 2012, 2013, 14, 2017-ish, uh, that's dead. We don't do that anymore. It's moved, it's uh, progressed into NXT uh, 2.0, and that's is what it is. Now the question is, and this is what I've said for a long time: how do we make NXT more integrated into the WWE ecosystem? They finally did it with 2.0. Keep it that way. They just need to give me a reason to give a shit about it. And that, that's that's all it is. Um, they're not coming up with the characters that I'm particularly interested in. They're not coming up with, um, you know, the, the show that I'm particularly interested in. I'd rather watch Dark. So you know, if it's going to be um, NXT 2.0 under Triple H, maybe they keep the aesthetic, but then bring back uh, more of the wrestling and that's I think that's the thing that separated NXT from WWE itself was the wrestling. Uh, yes, the talent was there, top to bottom. You know, speaking of Banks, speaking of Bailey, hell, Natty and Paige uh, doing a thing, FTR uh, and, and American Alpha, and the list goes on. But if if they could just gear it more towards the wrestling to establish these people for the main roster and their gimmicks then you know they can go on and and do what they need to do so i, I think it, it will be interesting to see what back looks like i don't expect to see him on tv again but if that means that we get a better more um you know focused product on wrestling then i'm all good and if he just has a nikita lions cam that can just pop up in the bottom right hand screen um <laughs> that will absolutely pay for wwe plus uh to go ahead and make that happen because why that hasn't that happened already? But um, but you know it's good to see him back, especially considering uh, his recent health uh, scare or complications or issues or whatever that was. So uh, I'm interested in it, considering what he did before. Can he capture lightning in a bottle twice with the talent that he has? We don't we don't, we don't know. But that will kind of be a thing. Is he Eric Spolstra or is he Greg Popovich? And if you're a basketball fan from a couple years ago, you know what I mean. <laughs> we're we're going to find out. Good one. That's a good one. That's all, that's all I think it is, is he's back down there to, to help out with stuff. He's back down there to work on things. But the overall direction is not changing because it was clear that, you know, back in the fall when, when the old man came down there, it's like, no, we're not doing this no more. Right. This is now not this is not a third brand. This is a true developmental program. Things need to be done in a way that they're coming up here in the way vision of what I want to see. I'm the one writing the checks. It's going to be my way or the highway. So black and gold is not coming back. 
Triple no. H can work within the confines of what NXT 2.0 is, but he is not getting his vision back. Not 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 while Vince is still around, heading creative and and all that. It's just that that's what it's going to be. But I'm very curious to see. You know, he could make some tweaks to it. I'm sure, and maybe help. You know, adjustments. But it's definitely still going to be within the confines of what we're seeing and what we've been used to. And hey, well, then finally going back on the road down in Florida, doing the coconut loop again, there's, there's definitely stuff he could get involved in. So 